You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code PLAY for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Screw the template, own your values, and amplify your influence. This is the Flaunt Your Fire podcast, where we defy stale marketing advice and own our power. I'm your host and CEO of Flaunt Your Fire, India Jackson, and today I am joined by a guest, Lola Pickett. Lola and I are going to be diving into what visibility and success can look like for highly sensitive people. We're going to be talking about what is an HSP or highly sensitive person, the difference between that and an empath, why highly sensitive people have a fear of being seen, a fear of being powerful or successful, why our world would benefit from more sensitive leaders, ways to stop fearing success, ways to embrace the gifts of sensitivity and some personal stories from Lola's own life of how she began to navigate these things and what has helped her fought her fire on her journey. I am so excited to bring this conversation to you. And if you're listening, you're like, who is Lola Pickett? I can't wait to introduce you to her. So let me tell you a little bit about Lola. Through her courses and programs, Lola empowers empaths and sensitive folk to rewire their brains, bodies, and behavior for internal and external resilience, shifting from self-repression to soul expression. She's the published author of The Wild Messenger's Tarot, the host of the Empath to Power podcast, and founder of Empathology, an emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual resiliency training program. Her offerings blend cutting-edge neuroscience with somatic trauma healing, herbalism, ritual, and play to create powerful and lasting results. When she's not facilitating transformational work, you'll find Lola loving up on her husband, kids, and kitten in the mountains of North San Diego, California. If you are as excited for this episode as I am, then let's get to it. Let's get the show on the road. Welcome to the show, Lola. I am so happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me on, India. I'm excited. Same. Oh my gosh. So one of the things that's really been on my mind and part of the reason why I'm so excited to have you here is because I think we have quite a few highly sensitive people as well as empaths in our audience, uh, as well as in some of our programs. And I know we're going to dive really deep today in what visibility and success can look like for people who identify in that way. But I think it's important first to establish uh, what is highly sensitive or how do you define what an HSP is? Yeah. So an HSP is somebody who is built physiologically a little bit different from most folks. So HSPs or highly sensitive people make up about 20% of the population according to research. And what that means is that for folks who are HSPs, your nervous system actually processes sensory data a little bit differently than the average person. And so emotions, um, even sounds, sight, scent, these things 
process more deeply into our nervous system. And so what that can mean for us is that we receive more data, which leads to a lot of overwhelm and a lot of feeling like I just don't I just don't have what it takes to do what everybody else is doing because for me things are a little bit harder. You know, it's like a differently abled skill set that we just need to learn how to wield. And within the HSP population, there's a subset of group, uh, a subset group of people called empaths. And so empaths are all HSPs, but not all HSPs are empaths. And empaths take that physiological sensitivity into the emotional and energetic realms. And so empaths essentially have a hard time differentiating between themselves and others. And how I like to define it is that empaths are more easily able to connect with other people than they are with themselves. And there's a number of different reasons why that's the case. But generally speaking, an empath is way more ready and way more available to connect with somebody else outside of themselves. Thank you so much for clarifying that because um, I had heard both terms used before. And I think in general, people hear the term empath used a lot. And I had never really quite heard it broken down and the differences between the two and how that shows up in our bodies until um, I believe it's episode 40 of the Empower Empath to Power podcast where you talk Mm -hmm. about um, what's the difference between an empath and a highly sensitive person. And so if you're listening and you want to kind of dive deeper into that because some of those differences and nuances stand out to you, um, it's a really great episode. It was super educational for me. Yay. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it's how we're made. It's not even like an identity piece. It's really literally what is happening in our bodies. And and knowing that can be so empowering because you stop making yourself wrong for your experiences, you know? Absolutely. And uh, when I think about holding space for people who are empaths or HSPs, um, one of the things that I've noticed, and I think you have as well, is that they can have a fear of being seen mm-hmm. um, or being perceived as being like powerful or successful. And I kind of wanted your take on why that happens. Yeah, well, being highly sensitive, it means that we're very tuned into others' thoughts, experiences, perceptions, emotions, energies. And when you're so tuned into other people, it can become very paralyzing to you as a sensitive person because you can sense how people are going to respond to you. And when you consider that success and visibility are going to bring up stuff for yourself and for others, it can be very debilitating to imagine, well, what if I become more successful than my family's ever been? What if somebody doesn't like how I said that thing on social media and I get just get trolled for two days straight? I don't think I can handle that. And so I'm just going to stay quiet. I'm going to stay safe. I'm going to, and this is not always like a conscious choice, right? This is not usually what we're saying to ourselves. Like, I don't want to (laughs) succeed. You know, we're not going around (laughs) saying that, but our bodies don't feel safe with the uncertainty and the visibility associated with a different level of success than we're used to. And so even if things have been like just barely okay, that's going to feel safer to our nervous systems than the unfamiliarity that comes with being outrageously successful and highly visible. And we're going to look at people who are doing that, like celebrities, like bigger brands, influencers, and we're going to see them and and literally go, how are they doing this? Like, how are they dealing with all of that comment thread that's happening on their Instagram post? Or how are they dealing with people constantly criticizing how they look or misinterpreting their message. I don't want that to happen to me. I couldn't handle that. And so you just don't push yourself to be more seen. You don't push yourself into new opportunities. You don't even see new opportunities because your nervous system is wiring you to stay safe. Mm, That's a big one is uh, realizing that you might not even see the opportunities right in front of you. Mm -hmm. It's something we talked about before together. And um, I've also talked about here on the podcast is that I think a lot of times we can end up focusing on looking for the next thing, but you know, <laughs> recognizing that there's things right in front of us we don't even see. Yeah. If we're in this place. That's right. 
That's right. It's 100% true. And and it's totally unconscious for the most part. You know, we're doing all of our affirmations, we're dressing for success, we're getting our branding in order. But if there's something inside of us that does not feel safe with that next level of success or visibility, we are going to protect ourselves from it in some way. And there's a number of different ways that HSPs and empaths tend to do that, that I keep seeing over and over again, including in myself, by the way, not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Same. It's part of the reason why um, I think it was important for us to have it because I I can also see where from the outside looking in, um, anyone who has seen what you've created and what you've done with your career Mm -hmm. and just how amazingly you show up. could make that assumption that someone like you wouldn't have to work on these things or even someone like me. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there's it's a, a constant, lie. <laughs> yeah, it's a complete lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere. All of these, the physical way that we're built doesn't change, first of all. So still highly sensitive, still an empath. Um, but I don't let those things hold me back anymore. I still have the experiences, though, of getting overwhelmed, of feeling socially anxious, of going into a fight or flight response when something nasty happens online, which does happen, uh, not as often as we're afraid of, typically speaking, but still can happen. Um, I still run up against my own like limiting beliefs around, well, I can't really handle a bigger community, or, well, more clients equals more problems, or you know, any of those things that we run into as we grow, I'm still running into them. It doesn't ever stop. I mean, if you if you don't stop growing, the fear is never going to go away. Yeah. So powerful because one of the things that um, I really, really appreciate about you is that you are willing to be open about that and honest and share from your truth. And instead of having what I see many people do is encourage that we put up this facade of perfection. Uh, And I strongly believe that that facade of perfection we see so many people holding online is actually to each other's detriment. Absolutely. I mean, perfectionism is one of the ways that I see a lot of sensitive people protecting themselves from success. Because if you hold yourself to this rigid standard of what's perfect or good enough, it's a way to stay safe because what's actually your truth, what's your message, what's your magic is going to be messy. It's going to be unpredictable. It's going to be unlike what's already out there. And so there's no way for it to be perfect. There's no way for it to be good enough. There's no bar to measure it against. So perfectionism keeps us very safe, very, very small. And it also puts us into cycles of procrastination, which is the other pattern I see. You know, if, if I just keep waiting for that next right thing or for it to feel aligned, um, then I don't have to show up and therefore I will not have the success that I'm, ex- that I'm wanting to experience. Yeah. What I am um, definitely noticing come to mind for me is that while this is a constant journey and evolution and work and effort that we put in um, to really being honest with ourselves and evaluating and showing up as more of who we really are, uh, you have a certain level of awareness about that, that many don't have. (laughs) And you're able to notice the patterns. And I'm wondering um, for you, where did that begin? Where were you first able to kind of see that there's something going on here to pay attention to? Oh my goodness. Well, I have long been a pattern tracker type of person, fascinated by psychology. I'm fascinated by emotional intelligence or lack thereof. I'm fascinated by family patterns and trauma. And the reason for my fascination is partially because of my sensitivity, because I feel things. And so it's like, well, I'm feeling something, you know, what's going on with that? Um, And also because I have a history of trauma. And so when you are used to attending to yourself to protect yourself and also to watching everybody around you to gauge where you're physically and emotionally safe, you become a hunter for patterns because your body is wired to help you stay in that um, state of survival, right? It's like, well, if you notice this pattern and this equals that, then you're going to look for that. And for me, understanding where everybody's emotions were at and understanding where people's motivations were at 
was always part of the way that I kept myself safe. And so it translated into my career because I could see where the market was at. I could see where people were misaligned. I could see where trends were going. I could see where where I was out of alignment with myself and what I was saying. Um, and, and these days that awareness has become pretty immediate. It's usually in hindsight first, right? Like we always notice patterns after the fact, which is kind yeah. of annoying, <laughs> right? But it's just how our brains work. And then we start to get, if we pay attention to the pattern on a repeated basis in ourselves or in others, we start to accelerate what I call like the time scale between awareness and changed behavior or, or um, integration. And so you'll get better and better at that and be like, oh, I just said something that was out of alignment for myself. Let me just go back and say that again. Or you'll hear it as it's coming out of your mouth and be like, ooh, wait a minute, pause. Let me reframe that. Um, And then you'll get ahead of yourself and you'll be able to really be ahead of the curve internally and also externally and be kind of on the forefront or become a thought leader. And that, that takes time. Yeah. Speaking of patterns, um, one of the things that you've talked about with me is patterns of perception. Mm-hmm. Would you mind explaining what that means to you? Yeah. So, oh my goodness. Well, our, our nervous system works in patterns and we have a tendency to only see the patterns that we are expecting or that we're used to habituated to. And that means patterns of relating to people. It means patterns of um, opportunities. It means how we interpret and make meaning from the things that we experience. And so these patterns of perception are set over time, usually very on uh, early on in our lives. And one of the ways we can change our ability and willingness to be successful is to begin to repattern our perception, which means to practice perceiving things differently, to make more conscious the meanings that we are making and interpreting from the things we're experiencing because we don't we don't always get to control what happens to us, right? Like we don't manifest all the good and bad things in our lives. They just happen. Uh, are you life, sure about that? I'm, I mean, I'm I feel positive. like <laughs> there are some out there will tell you, you manifested this and that. Right. There's so much <laughs> amazing victim shaming going on. It's great. Um, no, it's, we don't, we just don't. We love to have the idea that we're in control of everything like that, but it's not our fault when bad things happen a lot of the time. And it's also not our um, credit when good things happen all the time, I mean, look at privilege, right? Like, is that because you manifested your white skin? I don't think so. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> right? Like, that's not that's not your credit. It's a factor that you're dealing with. And so one of the ways we can begin to change the patterns of perception is to, first of all, stop shaming and blaming ourselves when bad shit happens, but also to reinterpret what's going on. Like if I see XYZ consistently as being a shitty thing, then it's always going to be a shitty thing for me. If I can start to look at it and go, you know, what's here for me? There's something here for me. This is happening. I don't have to like it, but can I learn something from this experience? What is this teaching me? This is how we begin to take our power back. And our power is in our perception because how we see our life is how we live our life. Mm, I love that. (laughs) How we see our life is how we live our life. Yeah. Where has that begun for you in being able to see your life differently? Because you have an interesting life story. (laughs) I do. I do. Well, I had a real shift in perception one day on social media (laughs) when my son was about 10 months old and I was a new mom and still working at this job I hated in an okay relationship. But I had checked all the boxes off at that point. I was 30 years old and I had a white picket fence and a golden retriever. And I lived in California by the beach and I had married my college sweetheart and had a job in marketing for a beauty company. And it was like, oh my gosh, everybody wants your life. But inside of my life, I was depressed, I was miserable, and I thought something was deeply wrong with me for for not being satisfied, so to speak, with all the things that I had going on. And and I remember sitting there on social media taking a break from this job that I actually did not like at all, looked good from the outside, but did not feel good on the Mm -hmm. inside. And it said, 
on Facebook, all parents are liars because they tell their children they can be whoever they want to be when they grow up and they go about killing their own dreams the entire time. And I was like, wow. oh, you know, like, right? You can feel that. It was super intense. And I, I looked down and my baby was laying on the floor where I had put him. And I was like, in that moment, a shift in perception happened. I mean, this has happened throughout my life, but this was a big one for me. And I, I looked and I said, I can't, I can't be that parent. I won't be that parent for you. I've got to be in integrity to myself and nothing about what I've created here. I didn't realize just how far the rabbit hole was going to go with this when I re reconfigured things, but <laughs> um, you know, nothing I've done here feels right to me. And I've got to, I've got to, first of all, own up to that and stop feeling shitty about it. And second of all, start to change it. And that, that shift in perception of I'm not going to be that person because I'm seeing I'm that person right now and it's not okay with me, um, that went on to totally change, radically change my life, starting with my career, but just had the huge ripple effect as it often does of, you know, no part of my life going untouched. And now, 10 years later, I'm 40, um, my life from the outside looking in might not look all that different, but it is radically different. I'm married to a different person. I have another child. I have an amazingly aligned career. Um, success beyond what I dreamed was possible. And I know there's more coming um, and happiness, you know, like above all of those circumstances, true joy um, in spite of all the shit that's going down right now. And that's radical to me. Absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing because I think that many of us can be told like, I mean, your life was the American dream. You're supposed yeah. to be happy with that, right? Yeah. I love that George Carlin said that the American dream is only called that because everybody's asleep. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to put say, a hashtag facts behind that. Right? Like, I want to, I just want to say that the American dream is pretty fucked up. And so many people have tried to achieve it and it's felt empty, you know, and it's not because we have something wrong with us. It's the wrong dream for so many people. And it's a dream that excludes so many people, you know, and is built on the backs of so many people. It's just, I mean, we could go into that, but it's, I get so furious with the fact that I even bought into that dream for so long. You know, we're, we're packaged and sold it from Disney from day one. And it's, it's challenging to dream a new dream for yourself, but I think it's imperative that we all have that courage. Yeah, and I thank you for sharing that because I think that it applies to people from all backgrounds, um, being a woman of color, even myself. I was sold the same dream, yeah. and that same dream is built on toxic productivity. It's built on you know, concepts that were driven from seeing humans as machines. Absolutely, yeah. And it's just there's no way you can be happy with that. No. And I think that you've done an incredible job of really deciding for yourself, you know, what is your new dream? What is your dream? Not the dream you were sold, not the dream you were told, but what does success mean to you, Lola? Yeah. Oh, success to me means being able to do a life review, like look at your life in any moment of time and say, this life is mine. Like I've made this life my own because we don't know how much time we have. We don't know how much time we are going to have, whether our life is going to be too long or too short to suffer through. So I really look at, I mean, I've had a lot of losses in my life and that's not just like death type of losses, but loss of illusions and all kinds of things. And, and so I really look at the end of my life as my best teacher, my best kind of bar chart for where I'm at on my success journey. It's like, do I, do I look at myself right now and how I'm choosing to live and who I'm choosing to be? And can I say I'm good with that? I couldn't say that for a really long time and I can say that now. And so no matter what happens, how much money I have or lose or regain or what house I live in or what clothes I wear, that's the most important piece. And I'm not going to let anybody take that from me again. Uh, so powerful. Um, 
I can say from my side of identifying as an HSP that one of the things that I really dove into personally this year and last um, has been redefining what success means for me because I do think that you know, people who see themselves as HSPs can really be afraid of that success. And sometimes it's because of the stories that we have of what success needs to mean. And I find it interesting that we have in common is that we both kind of found our way in saying that it really boils down to, can you be proud of the legacy that you left behind or the stories or experiences that you left behind with people? when American culture, um, with us both being here in the United States, really looks at success as money or fame or this like celebrity status or looking a certain way or having these boxes checked. Yeah. And I just don't know if that's the healthiest form of success for anyone, but especially HSPs. Exactly. And you know, we, we can have all of those things too. And I want to say that it's okay to have all of those things when you are grounded in, in your heart, you know, in contribution and impact. And, and the more that you are grounded in being free from needing all of those things or defining your success by all of those things, the more able you are to hold yourself through those experiences of growth and visibility and fame and fortune, whatever it is that is coming for you should you choose to step into that? Because then your amazing heart, your deep sensitivity, your compassion can have that ripple effect. And I feel like there's so many of us HSPs who are sitting here going, I know I'm made for more. I know I'm here to change lives. But if you keep hiding because it feels too much for you, the only life you're going to change is your own. And the way it's going to change is not good. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. I've heard you say that like, our world would benefit from having more sensitive leaders. Why do you believe that to be true? I'm seeing the effect of non-sensitive leaders right now. (laughs) And in my opinion, (laughs) which I know is not shared by everyone, we're doing a pretty crap job of supporting each other, of building supportive societal systems, of reimagining the economy, of dismantling patriarchy and capitalism and white supremacy all those things are still in the positions of power, not just here in America, but in many places. And Western culture is so influential around the world. You've got nations who are developing who are still aspiring to be like us. And frankly, that makes me nauseous. That's my <laughs> yeah. that's my opinion. Um, and so I imagine that if our world was filled with people in those positions of leadership and power who had empathy who had boundaries, who had values that are rooted not just in words, but in actions, things could be so different. You know, we could have a more collectively beneficial society, not just for the 1% at the top who happen to also have white skin. We could have unity as a human species again, not giving lip service to that, but actually creating that equity. It's not going to be possible without empathy. It's so true. And when I think of just some of the work that we do with change makers and then also in our community, Pause on the Play, um, there's so much change to happen. And, you know, the blessing, I guess, and the curse of (laughs) being someone of color is that I'm very aware of things that others aren't necessarily aware of. But then even doing my own work and learning more and exploring more, it's a Pandora's box of opening all the different layers of just so many areas of life as we know it here in America um, that we would look at as being something that is beautiful and worthy of celebrating. And then you dig deeper and you're like, yeah, but, you know, even the father of gynecology here Uh in the United States did all of his research on women of color on black against their will. Yeah. Yeah. It's just abhorrent. And it's really hard to tolerate that as an HSP, you know, because our nervous systems do absorb all data more deeply. It also leads to more experiences of trauma, more patterns of protection as a result of that trauma. 
And so really holding holding the internal resilience to do some of that unpacking of the illusions, <laughs> you know, it's asking a lot of the very people who need to be the leaders in these spaces. And I recognize that. And that's why for me, there is nothing more important to build um, internally and then externally is resiliency. We need to become more resilient so that we can look beyond the surface of this stuff. We're feeling it all anyway. And it actually feels much better to let it all out for air. Wouldn't you agree? It's like, ah, what a relief. The illusion was not feeling right. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. Um, you mentioned resiliency. Could you share a little bit about some ways to step into being more resilient? Yeah. And I think it's important to define it because it might sound like something you don't actually want as a sensitive person. It's like, I don't want to have thicker skin. I don't want to not be <laughs> the way that I am. Um, and that's not what I mean by resilience. Uh, what I define resiliency as is feeling equipped to navigate all of life, good, bad, and in between. Just feeling equipped, that's all it is. And wouldn't that feel good, right? To know that you have something you can reach into your pocket and, and grab that will help you when you're challenged, when you're overwhelmed, when you're procrastinating again for the 99th time that week to have the resilience to see yourself through those moments. It doesn't mean being tougher. It doesn't mean mental toughness, you know, or any of these <laughs> things that we use to treat ourselves like machines, which I love that you said that earlier. It's so true. Resilience doesn't give you the ability to become a machine if that's not what you want to become, right? But it does equip you with a deep level of self-trust and a level of um, internal peace too. You know, it's not like you're going to be suddenly anxiety-free, because look at the world we're living in. <laughs> Anyone who's got their heart open is going to feel a little bit anxious right now. I'd have a, I have a feeling. Um, yeah. But you can see yourself through it and not let it paralyze you any longer. And so the way that I teach my community to build resiliency comes in five layers. And the foundation of that, it's like a pyramid, if you think, like the right kind of pyramid scheme <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> you know, lasting through time. Um, not the MLM kind, right? Not the MLM kind, <laughs> no, no judgment or shade on that. Some of those things are great, but, um, yeah, not what I'm talking about. So the foundation for the resilience, um, I call it the resilience rockstar framework is nervous system resilience, because without a resilient nervous system, without the ability to partner with our sensitive physiology, anything that we layer on top of that is going to fall short. It's not going to, it's like it's built on sand, right? So you can get all the marketing strategies and all the branding and all the, um, all the right copy and all the right everything. And still, if your nervous system is going, but it's not safe to succeed, how well do you think that stuff will work? Right. It's not going to, it's not going to deliver the results and it's not because of a flaw in those strategies. It's because your body's not on board with your success. So, Ooh. <laughs> so I want to pause on that for a yeah. second. This is one of the reasons that I've been most attracted to you and the work that you do, because clearly here we do marketing, we do yes. strategy, we do branding, we do visibility. And ah, mm -hmm. if you have been listening for a while and you have heard the strategies here. You've heard the tools. You've seen us go through so many things to support you. Yeah. And yet you've still done nothing with it. This is why. Rewind it back and listen. <laughs> this is why there's some part of you inside that doesn't feel safe with what you perceive is going to happen should you actually act on that insight, on that training, on that knowledge. And so what we'll do is we'll end up continuing to collect strategies or like shift our brand for the third time this year or go to another training or seminar or listen to another Tony Robbins tape, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's not the solution. It's an important part of our success. Without good marketing, you aren't going to get your message out there and you're not going to make connections with your audience. It is essential, <laughs> right? But if you don't also have internal resilience to see yourself through your growth, that marketing is going to fall short and it's not the marketing's fault. It's not your fault either, but it's your responsibility to change it. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. Yes. So, so important essential. 
essential. And so we teach sensory skills. So we actually learn how to work with our senses differently. Um, and we teach how the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn responses work and are translated in each person's body that comes into our core space. So you learn what does a fight response look like for you. And it's not like you think. It doesn't look like a big bully in the hallway for most of us, especially for HSPs. It usually turns out to be like an internalized critic or the perfectionist, things that a lot of us can relate to and, and aren't realizing that it's actually a nervous system response that's getting translated behaviorally. So we could try to slap new habits and behaviors on a, a nervous system that's still wired to go into a fight response. It's not going to change things. So we have to actually look at, at things a little bit deeper. So that's nervous system resilience. And then we go up from there. We go into sensory resilience, boundary resilience, visibility and success resiliency, and then relationship resiliency. And when you've got all of those built on each other step by step, you are equipped. You are equipped no matter what is burning down around you, no matter what is happening, um, you can be a leader. And you can be a leader to your children or to your partner or to your community, uh, to your to your any sphere of influence that you're interested in being in. And we need you, right? We need you right now more than ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes me think of building a really sturdy foundation for your house. Yes. And then adding on the different rooms and then the second story. You know, you have to have that foundation there. You do. I mean, you can have a beautiful second story with like all the window boxes and flowers, but if it's trying to float in the middle of the air, what's it going to do? It's going to crash and burn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really curious to know from you, um, what are some insights that you've had in what you do and your background in branding as well? as things that people can do to begin to stop fearing success. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so, there's so much. I mean, we have an entire module devoted to this in our course because it's something I see over and over again. First of all, it's to get really honest with yourself because I think a lot of us go around thinking that we're afraid of failing. And so that's why we're not showing up more fully, you know, in our businesses, especially, Like I'm afraid of failing and so I won't offer this new program or I won't change my pricing or I won't, um, you know, shift directions and take a pivot because what if it doesn't work? And what I believe is actually happening underneath that is we're afraid of what if it does, you know, like, well, what if it does work? (laughs) What will I do then? So I think redefining success is a huge part of it. You know, getting back to the root of how will you know when you're successful? Which is kind of like asking, how will you know when you're ready? Right? Like success and, re- and readiness are feelings. They're not <laughs> facts. So how are you going to know when you're there? And isn't that important for you to discover before you decide whether you've been successful or not? Yeah, so powerful. So powerful. And that start to, starts to reclaim the dream. You know, like we were talking about, if, if the dream we've all conscribed to consciously and unconsciously is not our actual dream. Well, then what is? What is? And we always think too small for you listening and you're like, well, my biggest pie in the sky dream is to like impact a hundred thousand people. You could, you could do so much more than that. You know, like we always have these big dreams that are still limited by our, by our patterns of perception about what's possible Dream the impossible dream. You know, if you want to impact 100,000, the name for a million, you're going to get there so much faster. It's powerful because I, I see so many people in this place of just not fully stepping into their power. Yeah. And it's... I don't know. I guess I just feel like it's the most beautiful souls that are doing that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, because we've been we've been shown the negative side of power and like what overpowering or power over looks like and that's what we think that all power is. But empowerment is is power among. That's the like rising tide lifts all boats type of power where like 
your power isn't held over anyone. It's used as fuel for everyone, including yourself. You know, we have this fear <sighs> of, of power going to change us. Money's going to change us. Do you think that power and money has changed the people who have it right now? Or do you think that it's just made them more of who they are? Oh, bingo. <laughs> right? I mean, I look at um, what could be perceived as one of the most powerful people in our country. And it's like, do you think that that position made him that way? Mm-hmm. Not Trump. <laughs> or do you think that that's who he's always shown us that he was? And it just yeah. made him more of that. Exactly. And so you're not going to become that if that's what you're afraid of. And I think a lot of us are afraid of that. And so it's like, well, if we've only had stories and examples of negative models of power and success, then of course we're not going to try to become that. Like at a very deep level, we're going to do everything we can not to become that, even if we're suffering because of it. Because that suffering is going to feel a whole lot better and a whole lot more altruistic and giving if we've seen that power takes. What if power gives? What if power has nothing to do with taking or giving and it's all about who has it? Yeah. It's one of the biggest reasons why we've dedicated ourselves to do even more of amplifying voices like yours that are powerful and are doing something good with their power, doing something great with their gifts of sensitivity. Because I do think that when we're seeing some of the biggest role models or positions in our country, uh, because I won't attach the word role model to that human, but... (laughs) Coming from this energy of being like really destructive and um, just toxic power, then I think it's so important to counteract that with this vision and this image of what power can also look like or else it's easy for us to forget. Yeah, it is. One of my best anchors is actually like non-human power. And I... I think we do humanize and personalize everything because of the way that we are made as an animal. We just do that. Um, (laughs) You know, like we just do. So I like to rewire that pattern a little bit and look to the non-human world um, for models of how I want to be. And so I look to, I look to like ancient mountains or a 1500 year old sequoia tree. And I think, you know, that's power too. And that's not power over anything. It's just the power of presence, you know? Like, what do those trees and mountains have that I don't? Well, first of all, they have a different lifespan. That's cool. Maybe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe not so much right now. Um, But they also have a (laughs) a deep presence and authenticity of not trying to be anything they're not. Humans constantly do that. And so one of the ways that I take back my power in a way that has nothing to do with finances or leadership or visibility, but ends up fueling those things positively is to really be myself, you know, as unfiltered as I possibly can, be that mountain, be that sequoia tree, be rooted in my truth and my integrity and my values. And that's going to give me again that more of that resiliency so that I can be seen and lead and succeed without worrying about what that's going to take from me or what that's going to um, make me want to take from others. I so appreciate you for sharing that because I have to acknowledge that what I've started to see, um, especially since the murder of George Floyd, is more and more people um, that are stepping into what they believe is a part of allyship. Mm. And somehow that has gotten mixed up with this idea that you have to edit yourself and do something (sighs) else and say that your number one priority is Black Lives Matter. And now like the number one value for your brand is diversity and that just might not be your truth and yes I think that most people listening to this podcast care about diversity and black lives 
Um, Hope so. But editing yourself or shifting things, you know, it's maybe even that fond response that you're talking about. It is. It totally is. It's not is. the healthiest thing to do. No, it's a survival tactic. It's warped social, uh, pro-social behaviors that are rooted in the vagus nerve or as Ma Minicum's calling it, the soul nerve, which I love. Um, his book, My Grandmother's Hands, by the way, is incredible for folks mm. who are interested in nervous system resiliency, um, especially with regards to racialized trauma. So good. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a fun response. It's like, well, if I say this, then they won't get mad at me and then I'll be a good person. It'll prove that I'm a good person. Performative behaviors, not Bingo. just in allyship, but in friendship, in um, in leadership and partnership. I mean, all the ships, <laughs> performative <laughs> behaviors are so toxic and they're so tempting because you do get that sense of like, oh, I've earned my badge for being a good person today. Like, look at me. I have all these black friends. Well, did you collect them as tokens of evidence that you're a good person or you actually like them for who they are? <sighs> Speaking of my heart, I um, I take a look at performative allyship, which is something we talk about in the Pause and the Play podcast, but I see performative visibility. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> even if this is what you think that you need to do, there's no way that that is going to feel good for you to continue to show up in a way mm. that is not who you really are. Yeah. And on the other side of that, um, I think it's limiting what – especially youth and young people who are looking up to business owners or looking up to people who have built a certain level of personal brand online, um, it's limiting what they think is possible for them. Because if everyone has the same message, <laughs> if everyone is doing the same things, dressing the same way, saying the same things, you know, where's there room for somebody who's like them if they don't identify with that? That's right. That's right. And you have performative vulnerability too, which is like, I'm going to reveal like all of the skeletons in my closet so that you see that I'm just like you. It's like, but your motivation for doing that is not coming from an authentic place. It's not like, and if you're curious about how do you know, first of all, if you're courageous enough to even ask these questions of yourself, bravo. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, it's really because scary. many people are not even like opening that box. No, it's so scary, <laughs> y'all. Like it really is. And and I I am not saying like just do this because it's easy. It's not. It's really hard to look at our stuff like this. But you know, when you look at what's my motivation? That's a very very powerful question to continue to ask yourself and it's going to make you safer as a leader going to make you safer with your own version of success. It's going to make you safer as a coach, as a mentor, as a guide, as a parent, as a partner. Like what's my real motivation? And when I've asked myself that question before, sometimes what comes back is, well, you're trying to give the permission that you want, right? Instead of just asking mm -hmm. for what you need, you're not willing to be that vulnerable. So you're like, oh, let me just generously offer you the thing that I actually want. That's an interesting one, right? <laughs> like, oh, so sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. Motivation. <laughs> one of the things that uh, stands out to me as well as you talk about embracing the gifts of sensitivity, could you share with me um, some gifts that you have seen that sensitive people have? Yeah. Oh, there's so many. There's so many. Um, we have the gift of seeing the unseen, of seeing past the surface, of feeling and looking deeper. And that is a gift that goes two directions. One, in a very positive direction, because we can be a leader. We can see what's coming. We can um, act on that in intuition if we have the courage to do so. But it can also bite us in the butt. <laughs> it bites us in the butt. <laughs> in ways like um, getting falling in love with someone's potential versus who's actually in front of you. 
And oh, that one. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> right. Like, who has not done that at this point, right? Especially as a sensitive soul. Cause you're like, but I see who they really are. And I know that with the right relationship, if I love them good enough, if I inspire them good enough, then that too they'll become. Just ignoring the toxicity or lack of willingness on their part to ever step into that place. Right. So, we can do this with our clients too, on a business sense. We can want our clients healing more than they want it for themselves. And so what that will look like is undervaluing ourselves, underpricing ourselves, um, giving ourselves away, not having great boundaries with our clients. These are some of the side effects of that gift. And so when you learn to channel it properly, it equals amazing visionary leadership. When you don't, it looks like self-sabotage. Mm. I feel like self-sabotage and being an HSP or empath go really hand in hand yeah. until we begin to start to work on <laughs> what's next for us. What do we want our lives to really look like? Yeah, exactly. And and for us, a lot of that comes from, I mean, we sabotage ourselves because we're disconnected from ourselves. If we go back to how I defined an empath at the beginning, it's somebody who more readily and easily connects with others than with themselves. And so, of course, we're going to be sabotaging ourselves and getting in our own way because we don't even really know who we are inside. Um, And it it hasn't felt safe to do that. It's felt safer and wiser to get to know everybody else, hoping that somebody will get to know us too, care like we do. But until we are able to balance care for self and care for others, we will continue to protect ourselves from our success. Mm. So as we start to uh, think a little bit further into the future, Hmm. what is one thing that you would really want someone listening to do that they could do today as a way to begin to step into their own visibility or success as an HSP? Hmm. One thing. If you do nothing else (laughs) as an HSP or as an empath to begin to ask yourself, it is like there's (laughs) a hundred things, but that's overwhelming and that's not achievable. So one thing um, is to ask yourself, what do I need right now? And if you want to get a little more daring, you can ask, what do I want right now? But to practice attending to yourself, it's going to help you with your boundaries you know, because if you have these moments of feeling lost or unable to say no to someone else, what you need to practice is actually saying yes to yourself versus saying no to other people. It's a different energy. Mm, and I love that. To say yes to yourself means you got to get to know yourself, you know. So what do I need right now is a really humbling question. Maybe it's a glass of water. Maybe it's a nap. Maybe it's a, another cup of coffee. Maybe it's a phone call with a friend. Maybe it's a Netflix and chill. You know, maybe it's a two bites of ice cream. <laughs> Can you lovingly meet that need? I uh, hope so. I hope so too. I think that's a really good one to dive into for the listeners. I love giving them one thing because... Mm-hmm. I know if you give people too many things, they sometimes do nothing. They will do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Or as I like to say, they procrastinate. They will just binge listen, but take no action. Oh, I procrastinate. That's so good. I love it. I ask every guest here, what is one thing that has helped you flaunt your fire? And I'd love to know, what has that been for you, Lola? Um, One thing that's helped me flaunt my fire quitting my horrible ass job and having to stand up in entrepreneurship. Mm. Never care to, to dive back. into that one a little. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I mean like that moment with my son, the thing that changed first was my career. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I was working in the beauty industry in the sunless tanning industry to be specific. So I was selling not enoughness. And I was in charge of marketing and it was just so crappy. I hated every minute of it, but it was like the best I thought I could do. And 
I just said, no more. Um, no more of this. So I started side moonlighting as a graphic designer um, to see how that would go. And very rapidly was like, oh my God, this could go like amazingly well. I just actually did it all the way, which is scary. But you know what's scarier is sitting here lying to my kid that his dreams can come true. So um, it's time. And I have not looked back. Things have changed a lot with how I do what I do and what I end up doing. But I have not had to go back and um, kiss the feet of my boss who said I would see him in three months. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that that's a huge jump. (laughs) Huge. (laughs) That many people can feel so afraid to take. Yeah. And yet your entire life changed because of it. Yep. It totally changed. I mean, every single aspect of my life. And I didn't just go straight off into the abyss. You know, I tried to see how it would go and could see very quickly it would go well. Um, You know, you kind of have to experiment a little bit. I got very fortunate that things just happened to be timed well for me. Um, But I would never recommend somebody just up and quit without having some sort of financial plan because our nervous systems do not do well with that, y'all. Yeah. Hmm. I have a bonus question for you because I feel like we didn't organically touch on it very much in this episode. Um, one of the things that I've really valued about you is that you're not editing yourself at a time where everyone else is. Could you talk to us a little bit about what that's looked like for you <laughs> and how you've stayed grounded in who you are? It's been hard. There's definitely, I mean, I am a, I'm a fawner a fond response. That's like my go-to people pleasing. And knowing that about myself, I've had to stay really vigilant, like kindly vigilant around my motivations for saying something or doing something because I do want to be rooted in my values and not rooted in people's opinions of me. And, um, and so what I've, what I've done is taken a values inventory. Like that was, that's how I've really managed to stay authentic to myself and my voice and not not give in to the temptation of like, well, everybody's doing this, so I should do it too. You know, and and pretending like it's just inspiration versus survival. <laughs> I I have to get really clear on what I believe in. And I think that's a like a weekly exercise right now because things are changing so rapidly and I don't want to get caught up in performative allyship. I don't want to get caught up in performative equity. I want to do those things if I do them, when I do them, because it's true to who I am as a person. And I have to know that that's true in order to do that well. And for me, that is true, but I have to make sure because I'm not going to do it right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to screw it up and I've got to be okay with that. You know, like one of the most powerful questions I think I've ever been asked was by a trans inclusivity teacher um, talking to the non-binary folks. And they said, are you willing to do harm in the process of doing the right thing? Mm, Powerful question. Really tough question for a sensitive soul who does not want to hurt anyone, right? But sometimes we have to be willing to cause temporary pain in the name of the greater good, which comes down to our own learning, right? Yeah. I can see that doubling back and says sometimes we have to, you know, lose people and repel Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. I like that part now. (laughs) That part (laughs) that can be scary when you first start doing that. It is. Well, and it has been, but then I have had the experience in my community of the wrong people being in the space and it's not safe for anyone. So my willingness to stop people pleasing actually serves the people who I'm equipped to serve better. So I do it for them. You know, if it's hard for me, then I do it for them. So, so powerful. All right. I know that you offer an amazing program for the people listening that identify or are hearing themselves in this conversation as an HSP or an empath. Could you tell me more about that? I could. I would love to. Um, Yeah. So my like flagship course is called Empathology and it's taking what feels like illness or wrongness, pathological flaws in how we're made 
and turning it into ology, this study of being an empath, being a highly sensitive person, and how do we truly wield our physiology, our sensitivity, and step into our gifts in a way that serves the collective good, yes, but also uplifts ourselves and creates more stable foundation for ourselves in our lives. And we teach those five tiers of resiliency throughout the course of eight weeks in the most incredible community space. It is like the most fun work. And I'm in the middle of rebranding the internal course experience right now. And it's so good. Oh, oh my goodness. Like everything about it is designed <laughs> for the sensitive soul, not just the content, but like how it's delivered and how we speak to our patterns of procrastination and perfectionism and procrastinating that I've heard that term now. Like all of those things we know come up, not just in our everyday life, but also when we're endeavoring to um, to grow, right? And so we support the nervous system, not just in how we teach you what to do, but in how we teach the teachings. Um, it's meta. It's really, really fun. And it's a great community of heart-centered people who are doing great things, you know, on all different types of levels. It's so cool and so inspiring. And and they really keep me going, you know, when I find my own scare, scaredness coming up and my own patterns of protection, like, oh, can I do this? It's like, well, I, I'm doing it for them. Like I said, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. One of the things that I really appreciated that I've seen you dive into that many programs don't is also like that ancestral piece. Yeah. And I think it's so important. Um, Number one, and saying like it's shown up for me in my own personal life. But I think that just something about this year has really called us to dive back into the history of our ancestors mm -hmm. and to really look at the patterns and the stories and the belief systems that are there yeah. and how that shows up in us today. And 100%. When we're, yeah. And I think that when we're looking at being more resilient and looking at the different pieces of ourselves, uh, it just adds a whole nother layer that just so easily gets missed. 100%. You know, we are, we are not individuals the way that we think we are. We are carriers of the DNA, of the programming, of the trauma, of the beliefs, of the pain, of the joy, of all of the people who have come before us, you know, in our own lineages, but also just collectively. And as empaths, we feel all that too, you know, and so to be able to to learn how to channel that in a way that doesn't harm ourselves or others is really, really powerful. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Lola, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy and I love the questions that you ask and the opportunities for me to explore deeper what it is that I'm here to do. You know, it's a, it's a privilege to have this conversation in this space. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you're listening, part of the reason why I brought Lola here today is because you've been on this journey with me for a long time. It's been over 10 years that we've had this business. You've, some of you have been here through the rebrand and adding on team. And the one thing that I've seen stand out to me throughout all of these years is that we can create you the most beautiful roadmap to exactly where you want to go. But if you're not taking the time to work on your own inner healing and to feel safe enough to be seen and be who you are, then that roadmap is just going to sit on your hard drive on the computer. And we're going to hit those roadblocks that prevent you from showing up. So it is so important to take some time, head on over to Lola's website and look into programs like hers because pairing that together with your rebrands is just incredibly powerful. If you've ever done a rebrand before, if you work with us in the past, if you're working with us now, you know that it's more than just graphics and a name and some colors. It is diving into some things that can really stir up the emotional pot. So head on over, check her out and give her podcast a listen. She has some really great episodes that dive into so much about HSPs and empaths and really just being able to address that emotional piece and that physiological piece of feeling safe and being more you. Mm, I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much.
If today's conversation has resonated with you and you enjoyed Lola and this conversation as much as I did, I'm going to encourage you to head over to the show notes at flauntyourfire.com show where we have all the links there to be able to check out Lola, her podcast, her Instagram, and more about her program in pathology. Also, a special request to ask you to head over to ratethispodcast.com slash fire. That is ratethispodcast.com slash fire and leave us a star rating for the podcast as well as a written review and let us know your favorite part of this episode. That gives me and my team a good idea of what you want to hear more of here at Flaunt Your Fire Podcast. And last but not least, if you've been listening and you've been kind of navigating that place of wanting to step out and be more visible and allow more space for success in your life and the space to do that in a way that feels true and authentic to yourself without rushing through, without following other people's prescription of who you need to be or their formulas are there stale-ass marketing advice? I'm going to encourage you to visit flauntyourfire.com and you'll find that we have an option there to book a discovery call directly with me, India, and we can talk a little bit more about what your goals are, what you've tried, what's not worked for you, and begin to see what the next best step is for you. That is a free discovery call and we really just get to know each other better and get you pointed in the right direction for what's next in your life and business. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I can't wait to see you on the next one. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?